Hey, good morning. Today's daf is daf Yud Zayin. Today's shir is Ilunishmas Ben Sion Ben Zeev Avram Halevi and Yirmiyahu Ben Yehuda and Yetabas Harav Yosef. May their memories be a blessing and may their neshamas have an aliyah. Yes, ma'am. And for and for a full shleim of Ruvain Ben Ben Leia. May he also may have a full recover, a full and speedy recovery. Um, today's the 31st day of the Omer, uh, the 30th day, 30, yeah, 31st day of the Omer. Um, okay, so just to get us back in this uh, in this piece, we started off this discussion, not going to go into the reason why we had it, but we raised the contradiction between a, a, Gemara in, a Mishnah in Meseches Tomid and a Mishnah in Meseches Miros, where the Lish, how the different rooms were positioned in the base Hamoikad. Remember, the base Hamoikad was in the north wall of the temple courtyard, and in the base Hamoikad, in how we understand it, in each of the four corners was a different room. Now, according to the Mishnah in Tomid. The Lishkas Teloim, the room where they got the lambs from. I remember for the for the daily offering, they were they had they the lambs had to be checked for four days. So they had a room where they had these four lambs and they kept them there. So the according to the Mishnah in Tomid, the Lishkas Teloim was in the northwest corner, whereas according to the Mishnah in Midos, it was in the southwest corner. So that's the contradiction we raised between those Mishnayos. And we went and the Gemara explained that it was, Rav Huna said, it's actually a different, it's two different opinions. The Mishnah in Midos is Rebeleza ben Yaakov, and the Mishnah in Tomid would be, I don't know who, I'm assuming the Rabbonon. So that's the, that's the way Rav Huna resolved the contradiction between the two Mishnayos. Now, we're going to bring a new opinion Rav Adabar, Rav Braid Rav Yitzchak, who is going to actually tell us that there's a different position. Um, and sorry, a different resolution. He's going to basically show how actually the prices do, the, the Mishnayos do not argue. They're actually the same. Even though it sounds like they're arguing that the Lishkas Teloim, is it in the Northwest or the Southwest? We're going to, he's going to show how it's actually the same. Now, last night I heard a very nice piece because it's quite a, what do you say, this is a tangent of a tangent. We went on a tangent to show that according to some opinions, the Mishnah was like, that, the, that you can work out the author of a Mishnah of a Masechta from another Machloikes elsewhere in the Masechta. Um, so we came, that's why we brought it. And, now we, and that's, why, that's why we brought this contradiction and that's what we proved. And now we bring carrying on with that discussion. So just a little bit of chizuk for learning Mishnah, um, to learning a little bit about Midos, to learning the Beis Hamikdash. So firstly, there seems to be a special, special concept that Hashem views learning the Beis Hamikdash in a way as building the Beis Hamikdash. We've said that concept similar to learning about uh, to learning about uh, korbanos. If you learn about a korban, it's as if you offer it. If you learn about the Beis Hamikdash, it's as if you Working as if you're building it. Um, but an, a new level is the... Um, I saw the Chashuk Chemed. I've mentioned him before. That's Rav Zilberstein, one of the phenomenal Tamidei Chachomim of our generation. Uh, 
mind of an encyclopedia, how he brings things. So he has the Sefer where each stuff he brings interesting uh, ideas connected, generally responsa that have come up, like real questions. But once in a while, it's an idea connected to the Mishnah. So he says there was a Jew. So they say he brings on this here. He brings there was a Jew whose life was being threatened for his money. Not sure the exact scenario. Maybe the mafia were off to him or something like that. And he ran to Maril Diskin. That was one of the gedolim of the past generation in Yerushalayim. Um, I think it was Yerushalayim actually. Now I'm not sure where it was. But I think he was in Yerushalayim. And he wanted advice what he could do to uh, help save himself from these uh, people threatening his life. So he told him, go sit and learn Midos all day. Maseches Midos, that's the Masechta with the Mishnah, it's about the building of the Beit HaMikdash. Now everyone, all the Tamidei Chachomim of that time in that area in Yerushalayim were trying to work out, where did Maril Diskin get the advice, get, the, get this solution, that to save this person he must learn Maseches Midos. And the Satmar Rebbe explained that it's based on a, a Gamorin Zvachim Daf Nun, nun um, Dalad. And there, and there it brings the case where David HaMelech was fleeing from Shaul. Remember, David HaMelech was anointed king. Hashem had told Shaul that he won't be king anymore. And uh, Shaul went after David. Um, and he was pursuing David for his life. And it says that David ran to Shmaul, Shaul in Ramat. And they went to Nayos, Benayos. So the Gemara asks, what's Benayos and Ramat got to do with each other? Why, why were they going to Ramas and then to What's going on? So the Gemara explains, he says, no. They went to, he went to Ramat, where, which is where Shmuel was staying. And in Shmuel, they were oiskim Benayos shel oilom in the buildings of the world, I, the building of the base of Middash. I, David, was fleeing from his life. He went to Shmuel and they sat there and they learned so that's where he gets, that's where the Satmas Rebbe's uh, suggestion of where Maril Tiskin says that if you learn Midos, there's a special connection to saving your life. Rav Zilberstein gives another answer, but I think let's go on. Um, yeah, let's go on. And... Um, but just to keep in mind that if you learn Maseches Midos, so learning these halachas, even though they sound very technical, almost irrelevant, it uh, brings a special protection to a person. Okay, so Rav Adabrader Rav Yitzchak Omar. Rav Adabrader Rav Yitzchak, he says, Hi Lishka, he says, now again, so how we understood the, contra- the contradiction is that the Lishka, in the Tomit, the Lishka, it says that the Lishka Shloim was in the northwest, and in Midos, it says that the Lishka Shloim was in the southwest. So Rav Ada Breit Rav Yitzchak Omar Hai Lishkak Suye Bakti This chamber, this Lishkas Tlai Kormanoso Tloim was actually longer. It extended um, it extended across the um, it extended across most of the western side. I said it wasn't a square in the corner as I'll prove now. It um, it it it's it's stretched up along it, and therefore he says, um, If you came in from the south, it looked like the room was positioned in the north. And it means, sorry, I read it through a word. Um, if you walk in from the north, it looks like the room situated in the south. 
And if you walk in from the south, it looks like it's in the north. I don't know if you can see, I didn't get a chance to make a digital. I think article has good pictures. But I don't know if you can see that diagram. It, this is the Lishkas Tilon that we're discussing on the west. Now, if you walk in from the south, it looks like it's not in the south. It looks like it must be in the north. But if you walk in the north, you see that chamber over there. And you see this later on. And it looks like it must be in the south. So that's what the explanation is. Again, this is what it means, Udak. Um, Aksuye Matse, this is uh, Rashi's explanation of it here. And that's the, so that's the, that's the structure. And that's why the two Mishnahs are not arguing. The Mishnah in Tomid is telling us the daily routine of the, um, remember the, the Meseches, Tomid is telling us the daily routine of the Tomid offering, the daily offering. So the Kohen who's going to fetch the lamb is going to walk in from the south of that room. Because he wants to be in the temple courtyard. So he's going to walk to the north of the courtyard where that room is to go fetch the lamb. But so he's coming in from the south and therefore it looks like it's in the north. Which explains why the Masechta in Tamid says that that room was in the north. Not that it was literally in the north, but that it looked like it was in the north. Um, now the Gemara says, Well, Mistavre de Marov is Dromis Havai. For another reason, we're going, to, it's, we're going to show that this is the logical explanation. I that the Lishkas Teloim was not really in the north. The Lishkas Teloim was actually um, in the south, but extended. And how are we going to prove that? By bringing, there's another contradiction between those Mishnahs. I, interestingly enough, the Mishnah in Tomid only told us where the Lishkas Teloim was, and it listed the other Mishnayos. Uh, sorry, the other rooms. It didn't tell us where the other three rooms were positioned in the Beis Amoykeit. It just mentioned that they were positioned. And the Mishnah in Tomid, sorry, that's the Mishnah in Tomid. The Mishnah in Midos did tell us where each of the rooms were lengthened. Now, the Poskim explained, the way we would expect it to tell us, is that if you're facing this, the bigger room, not each of the rooms, you on the outside, which way are you going to walk around? So as we've mentioned a few times, you always walk to the right. Or you walk from left to right. So if it min- mentions the Lishkas Teloim in the northwest, and then the next room it mentions is the Lishkas Choysamois, where would that be? doesn't tell us where it is, but we would assume so you, you're facing the room and you're moving right, then the Lishkas Choismos would be in the southwest. And if you carry on right, the next room mentioned is the mini Beisamoikad, so that would be in the southeast. And then carrying, so again, facing the square, you're moving right. Just, uh, just to show you which way we're moving. Um, so here's the Lishkas Teloim according to the mission in Tomid. You would assume that you're facing it and you're moving right. So you're going to, the next room listed would be there. And then you're going to carry on facing it and moving right. So the next room listed over there. Now, if you learn like that, you run into trouble. Because there's another contradiction in the Mishnah. According to the Mishnah in Tobi, the Lechem Aponim is in the northeast. And according to the Mishnah in Midos, the Lechem Aponim is in the southeast. So again, we run into trouble. 
If you learn the Mishnah of Tomin at face value with that general understanding of how to move around the room, the Lechem Aponim is in the northeast, and the according to the Midot, it's in the southeast. So that's what he says. It says, Midramina Lechem Aponim, Alechem Aponim. We raise a contradiction between the two, the Lechem Aponim the, in Midos and the Lechem Aponim in Tomid. Umashnina and Rav Huna Braid Rav Yeshua. And Rav Huna Braid Rav Yeshua answers, Mar Kochoshiv Derech Yomim. The Braise in Midos assumes you move to your right. Umar Kochoshiv Derech Small. And the Braise in the, the Mishnah of Tomid, the one who taught the Mishnah in Tomid, assumes you're walking from right to left. Sorry, not for. Yeah, from right to left, not towards your right, but towards the left. I, how's he explaining the layout? So the, the layout in Midos, when it lists the rooms, it actually tells us which direction each of the rooms is. But if you follow the, the list, you're moving, what's it, anti-clockwise, counterclockwise. You're moving facing this big chamber base on the outside and you're moving around it. Where actually, he says, when it comes to the Mishnah in Tomid, you're actually moving left to right. Um, so let's just um, yeah, let's finish this this point. So again, you're moving from left to left. It says Iomat Bishlema the Marovis Droimis Havai. It makes a lot of sense if you say this was all in the it was in the southwest. Hainu Dumitarets Lechem Aponim Alechem Aponim. You now have an answer to the contradiction between the chambers, the Lechem Aponim and the Lechem Aponim. Um, because again, just to refresh, just to get this clear, um, the Mishnah in Tomid tells us that the Lishkas Troim is in the northwest. We just edited that and explained that no, it doesn't really mean it's in the northwest. It means it looks like it's in the, if you come in from the south, it looks like it's in the north, but it's really in the southwest. That's how we're holding at the moment. Now, if you're moving, and then it listed, remember it listed a whole lot of rooms, it listed the Lishkas Tzaloim, and then the second on the list was the Lishkas Choismos, the Lishkas Moikaid, and the Lishkas where they made the Lechem Aponim. Now, if you follow that list, again, as I said, our initial understanding is that you're moving towards your right. But here, the Lishkas, um, here the Lishkas, so, so, but now, Rav Huna Braid Rav Yeshua tells us, actually, when you're looking at the mission in Tomid, you must move from right to left. So if you move from right to left, that's where the Lishkas Teloim would be. And you'd move um, again from right to left. So the second room mentioned is the Chosamos. The third room mentioned is the other mini Beisamoikad. And the fourth room mentioned is the Lechem Aponim. Now where's the Lechem Aponim? In the southeast. Which is the exact same as the Lechem Aponim. In, as where the room in where the Mesechet Midos mentions it. So if we learn the Mishlein Tobit. According to this, that you're moving from left to right, and uh, that the Lishkas Tzolaim is in the southwest, that all Rav Huna Braid Rav Yeshua's, Rav Ada Braid Rav Yeshua, sorry, Rav Huna Braid Rav Yeshua, works out perfectly. So that's, um, that would be the way to understand it. 
Again, the initial way we understood it was that the lechem aponim was up here, but that assumed that when we gave the list of directions, it was moving, we moved, when we listed the rooms, you moved that way round, um, counterclockwise, whereas we've edited now and said, no, move clockwise, uh, follow the list of rooms, and then the lechem aponim, the room where they made the lechem aponim, works out to be in the right place. If you learn... I don't know if you can see this one's much smaller. But if you learn like um if you learn that the sorry, which room? Oh, that the Lishkas Taloim, where they kept the lambs, was actually in the northwest, which is how uh um which is how we initially learned. Well then when you follow the order it doesn't help. You don't let go even though you move from left to right, you move clockwise you still end up with the lechem upon him in the wrong corner. It, it would be in the southeast. So that's why it makes sense to learn it in the, in the northeast. So, so, if, so again, if you learn that the lechem upon him, the, sorry, if you learn that the lishkas was really in the southwest, sorry, yeah, in the southwest, like the Mishnah in Midos, and like we explained, when we said in when we said in Tommy that it looks like it's in the north, it's in the northwest. It's not that it's actually in the northwest. It just looks like it's in the northwest because it extends. It, it doesn't start at the wall and it extends most up. So when you walk in from there, if you look at it, you're going to think it's in the northwest, but it's really not. And so it's really in the southwest. If you learn that it's in the southwest, and you learn then when you take Rav Ada. Rav Huna Braid Rav Yeshua's answer of what about the chamber of the Lechem upon him? That also seems to be in the wrong order. Well, if you learn like that, it all works out. Um, um, then it works out uh, well and it fits together. Um, Sorry, then it works out well and it fits. Yeah, then you end up with all the rooms in the right way if you're moving from left to right. Again, standing at the point here is if you're standing outside this room, instead of moving from to your, towards the right, you'd move towards your left and go around, and then it all works out uh, beautifully and it reconciles the contradiction between Midos and Tomid regarding where the, lechem apot, where the chamber of the Lechem upon him was. Um, in the Beisa Moikad. If you say that the chamber of lambs was in the northwest, how we initially understood the Gemara, the Mishnah in Tobit, we don't, I still don't understand the Lechem Aponim because it doesn't fit. We see clearly that it must have been in the southwest, and that seems to be conclusive. And now the Gemara just asks, Oh, but didn't we just, we actually saw this the other day. Um, but every time when you in the Beit Samigdash, whenever you turn and you should turn to your right, and I actually applied that to other mitzvahs as well when we were learning there. 
Remember I said, Lacharotish, you turn to your right. Lulav, you turn to your right. When you're doing Nafori, you turn to your right. So shouldn't we say, so here, when it's describing the layout of the rooms, you should also be moving to your right. I going from um, left to right, as opposed to, as we just explained, the mission in Tomid is that you're moving towards your left. So the Gemara answers, Hanimili be'avoida. That's with avoida. Aval ba'almahu. That, this is just listing the rooms. You don't have to list the rooms going towards the right. You can list the rooms going towards the left. So that's how I answer that question. I was thinking that's quite interesting because, so in a way what we're saying is when you're going from, when you, um, um, when you, um, I'm sure I remember Divrei Chazal that if you're on a path and, you, and all things being equal, you're not sure which one to go, even if it's got nothing to do with Avodah Hashem, you turn right. Like if you're lost and you're not sure, turn right or you've got an option. Um, but uh, I don't remember where that is, so I couldn't check it up. But it seems specifically when we're discussing um, Avodah Hashem, that's where this concept of turn right applies. But in other areas of your life, you don't necessarily have to apply this concept of turn right. Um, just interesting, if you notice, there are a lot of pictures on the actual Gomorrah page. Tossos goes to length trying to understand the sugya. Where was everything positioned? How do you understand it? What about this possibility? What about that possibility? While we're learning, um, we have a whole list of other possibilities and ways that um, Tosvos thinks that maybe we should learn. Um, okay, but we're not going to go through it now. Just something to be aware of. Okay, let's go on. Now we move on to the next line in the Mishnah. It says, The coin Godel is allowed to take first share. And he's also allowed to, sorry, he's allowed to do the avoider. He gets first choice to do the avoider. And he gets to take first share. We learned in a price. What does it mean he can offer first share? First, he can step in and say, I want to do this, Oila, I want to do this, Mincha. I generally, I mean, obviously with the daily service, there was a whole uh, lottery of who got to do which Avoida. But even with the rest of the Korbanos, remember each Mishmar, one of 24 groups of Kohanim served in each uh, on a different week. Um, and the Kohen Godel could just step in and say, you know what, I want to offer this Korban. That's what... That's the coin Golos right. And Ketzad Noitel Chaylek Barosh, what does it mean he gets first option in taking a share in the Korbanos? So, Oymer, Chatazuani Oichel, Oshom, Zeani Oichel. He's allowed to say, you know what? Again, the Kohanim of the Mishmar would divide the meat from the Korbanos. Either Kohanim serving in the Beit HaMikdash that day would divide the meat of the Korbanos. The coin Golos can step in and say, you know what? I want to eat the meat from this. Chattas, I want to eat the meat from this Oshom, etc. And then not only that, he can take one of the two loaves of the two loaves of Shvurs. Remember, we're coming up to Shvurs. There was a special offering called the Shtei two loaves made out of wheat. That was the first offering with the new wheat, the new harvest of wheat. And that permits the new wheat to be used as carbonus in the base of Mikdash. Remember, for regular people to eat, we can already eat the new grain from the Omer offering, from the second day of Pesach. 
comes um, but the base amigdash you could only use the new grain from shvurs from the shtehalechem. So the kohen gadol can take one of the two loaves if he wants. Arba oichamesh mimase lechem upon him. He can take four or five loaves from the lechem upon him. We'll discuss this line. Well, where do you get four or five from? I mean, we know the lechem upon him was. Um, there were 12 lechem upon him, and now we're saying in some cases he can take four, in some cases five. We'll discuss that in the Gemara. And Rebbe Omer, la'olam chamesh. Rebbe says he takes five. Shenemar, as the Pasuk says, it will be to Aaron and his sons. I mechzel Aaron, mechzel Aaron gets half, and his sons get half. It's very interesting. Again, first point is, what do you mean five, and he takes half? How much is half of the lechem upon him? Six. There were 12 lechem upon him, so five is not half. So what does Rebbe mean when he says he gets, he brings a special drosha that he brings, that he gets half, and it says he takes five. So we'll get to that in the Gemara. Um, just one point. So, so again, we listed three scenarios. We said that firstly, if the Kohen Godel wants, so the Kohen Godel gets first choice in getting a share of the Korbanot. First case we mentioned is if he wants, he can say, I'll take this Chattis, I'll take this Osham, etc., all for himself. Um, the second point we mentioned is of the lechem upon it, of the shtar lechem, the two loaves of shvurs, he can take one of the two. And the third, we then say, and Rebbe says, he can actually take of the lechem upon him, sorry, the, the Mishnah carries on, says he can take four or five of the lechem upon him, and Rebbe says, no, he takes five of the lechem upon him. And he bases that on a drosh, it says it will be to Aaron and his sons, half to Aaron and half to his sons. Um, so those are the, Three, those are the cases mentioned in the Mishnah, just a, a point on each of them. So, so, sorry, what's that? Yeah. so Rebbe seems to have the special drosha that you split it, because it says the Kohen Godel, at least by the Lechem upon him, you split it. It says that the Kohen Godel gets five. He always gets five, as it says, half goes to Aaron and half goes to his sons. As I said, we'll explain how five is half, but that's the discussion. He gets half, whereas the Rabbonin seem to say he gets four or five, which sounds like it's less than half. And not only that, at the top, at the first point we mentioned of this price, is if he wants, he can take all the Osham or all the Chattas meat for himself. He doesn't have to split it. So why by the Chattas and Osham can he eat all the meat? But by the Shtel of Lechem he can only get one of two. And by the Lechem upon him he can only get four or five. So there are actually quite a few answers for this. Um, well, yeah. The first point to address is if Rebbe has a drosha. So what do the Rabbanon hold? So there are, again Rebbe holds half, half to Aaron, half to his sons. What is Rabbonin hold that they seem to say four or five, which implies less than half? So the one answer is that they understand their drosha of it goes to Aaron and his sons, is that it, it's Aaron gets almost half. And the other opinions say, no, really Aaron should get half. But it's a love, urach, ara, ara. It's, what, it's not nice for the coin Godel to take half of what everyone else takes. Sorry, so that's the first question to address is, where do the rabbis get their source? The second question, sorry, this I should have maybe done this one first, but this is the first question I asked, is why by the Chattas and Osham does it seem to say that the Kohen Godel can get all of it, whereas by the loaves, the Lechem upon him, and the, the, the Shtar Lechem and the Lechem upon him, it seems to say he can only get half. 
Again, that's a big description, not just like the rabbis and Rabbi Yehuda, which seem it might be one or two loaves different. The Machloikes here seems to be that there seems to be an intrinsic contradiction from the fact that he can take all of the Chattas or all of the Oshem and only half of the Lechem upon him. So a few answers to that. One is that really it applies to all sacrifices. I, just because we said he, can, he says, I want to eat this Oshem, I want to eat this Chattas, it doesn't mean that he can get all of it. It means he can only get half of it. That's one answer. It just doesn't specify because we're going to specify that he splits it with the other Kohanim in the next point. A second answer is that, no, maybe the difference is if, if it's a communal offering or a private offering. A Chattas or an Oshem is brought by a private individual. If the Kohen Godel says, I want that Korban to eat, he gets it all. Whereas the communal offerings like the Shtaya Lechem or the Lechem upon him, he can only get up to half. And a third opinion, obviously there are a few, there's a few more opinions, but we'll just do one more opinion, is if he wants, he can take it all. But if he only wants some of it, then he has to take half of it. He can't take a small piece. He can either take the whole Korban, or he can take half the Korban. That, that I thought was an interesting answer. Why would it be that? Uh, why, why would that... M- where would he get such a distinction from? Okay, let's go on in the Gemara. So, as I mentioned, there are a few things in this in this price that are difficult that we haven't addressed. So, and that's what the Gemara is going to raise now. This is difficult. You said that he can take one of two loaves, I half of the shtealechem. Mani, who's the author of that? Rebbe Hita, I'm a palka shokil. That sounds like Rebbe who says that he gets exactly half. Eimah Metziosah, but then the next clause says, Arbo Chamisha, Mimas Lechem upon him. He gets four or five from the Lech of the Lechem upon him, which remember there are twelve. Asan Rabbonin, to Amri Loi Shokil Palka. That sounds like the Rabbonin who says he doesn't get a full half, he only gets almost half. And Eimah Seifer, and then the last phrase teaches, Rebbe Omer Lo Elam Chamesh. Rebbe says he always gets it sounds like the first case is and the last case are Rebbe and the middle clause is Rabbonin now if you're going to change between opinions you should let me know that you're changing them so again but the fact that it starts off with the Shtar Lechem and says he gets 50% he gets one of two loaves that's Rebbe then it comes on and says but he gets four or five of the Lechem upon him I not a full 50%, that sounds like the Rabbonin. And then it says, and Rebbe says, he takes half of the Lechem upon him, back to Rebbe. So why do we have that switch? So Amr Abaya Abaya says, Reisha umitsiusa Rabbonin, umhoidi Rabbonin, beprusat lav urach ara lemaisavakain. He says, no, actually, the first and second clause are the Rabbonin, and the last clause is Rebbe. Ah, so that makes sense, because the first part of the Brisa is Rabbonin, and the last part of the Brisa is Rebbe, but we're not jumping between Rebbe, Rabbonin, and Rebbe, so that's fine. How, what's the middle clause? How are we adjusting that? With the Shtalechem. The Shtalechem, we said he gets one or two. We're saying that the Rabbonin in that case agreed to Rebbe. The Rabbonin generally hold the Kohen Godel can only get almost half. Not, not exactly a half, almost half. So where do we get this? That he. Um, so, but, oh, so why do they allow him to get one of two of the Shtar Lechem? Because it's disrespectful to break one of those breads and give the coin Godel a half piece. So you really want to give the coin a full piece and therefore they say that's more respectful. Okay, we said one of the reasons why we don't want to give the coin Godel the full amount is because it's, uh, it's, 
It's, it's like a little bit, uh, I don't know, I thought glutinous, love or disrespectful for him to take a full half when there's so many other kohanim, so we tell him to take a bit less than half. But here it's more disrespectful to give the kohen gadol a, bo- a half a loaf of bread. So therefore, by shvuz, the rabbis agree, is allowed to get a full loaf of bread. Then it says, my arba What do you mean by four or five? I, sometimes the kohen gadol can take four loaves of bread. And sometimes the coin Godel can take five loaves. Again, this is of the 12 lechem upon him. So how are we going to answer is based on, just before we go into the answer, it's based on a machloikes in uh, sukkah, in Maseche sukkah. It says, how were the lechem upon him divided? So just before we go into how the lechem upon him, why were they divided, the lechem upon him? Because remember, each week was a new, uh, each week a new group of Kohanim would serve. There were 24 Mishmaros, so each week was a new Mishmar. When would they change over? On Shabbos. On Shabbos morning, the old Mishmar who had been serving since last Shabbos would do the morning offering, the Musaf offering, the morning service. And then they would change, and the afternoon, and then the new Mishmar would come in and do the afternoon offerings, the lechem, the burn, the incense, the frankincense, the bazikin from the lechem upon him, etc. So on Shabbos, there were these two groups, the incoming, the new incoming group, and the old Bishmar who was leaving, and they would split the lechem upon him. That's, that's why they would split the lechem upon him. However, there's an argument there. The Rabbanon hold that all 12, 12 loaves were split. Either incoming group get 12, and the outgoing group get, sorry, get 6, and the outgoing group get 6. Whereas Rabbi Yehuda holds that no, only 10 loaves were split. Two of the loaves were given to the, as payment to the incoming group to close the gates of the Beis Amigdash that afternoon. I, you opened the gates of the Beis Amigdash, the earlier group, you should be the ones closing it, but you're leaving the Beis Amigdash and it's the second group, the new group of Kohanim, the new Mishmar who are going to have to close it. So as payment for that, they get an extra two loaves. So how many loaves are there left to divide? Just, um, just ten loaves. So that's, that's where you get five. So that's, so that's what this Machloikis is based on. So let's see. Little Rabbonin to Amri Nichnas Noitel Sheish Vyotse Noitel Sheish Vizchar Hagofas Dalsos Lo. According to the Rabbonin who hold the incoming group gets six loaves and the outgoing group gets six loaves and there's no payment for closing the doors. Mishtaim Esrei Boy Miflag. So they're splitting 12 loaves. Botsir Chadami Palka. So just less than half. As we said, the Rabbonin always hold that the coin Godel can only take just let, can take less than half. So what's just less than half of six? Chamei Shokil, he gets five. So that's when he gets five loaves. Again, each group would theoretically get six loaves. The Kohen Godel can get almost half of the loaves. So he can get almost six. So that's five. L'Rebi Yehuda Domer Nichlas Noitel Sheva Shtayim B'schar HaGofas Dalsas V'yotzei Noitel Chamesh Me'eser Boy Miflag So according to Rebi Yehuda who says that the um, the incoming group gets seven because they get paid an extra two for closing the gates of the base Amidash that evening. And the leaving group take five. So all that is really split. Two automatically go to the new group. So all that is split is, te- is ten, so five. 
Botzir Chara, so just less Mipalgab, just less than half of five, Veshokil Abba, so the Kohen Gadol gets um, four. So that's where we see that the, so again, so the Rabbonin said sometimes the Kohen Gadol can take four loaves, sometimes he can take five loaves. That's ah, the Machloikes. According to the Rabbonin, he can take, who split all six the Kohen Gadol can get, almost half, five. According to Rabbi Yehuda, who hold that only split ten, he can get almost half, which is four. So that's why, and Rebbe, oh, Rebbe says he always gets five. Rebbe must paskin like Rebbe Yehuda. Again, Rebbe Yehuda said that two automatically go to the incoming group, and they just split the last ten. And Rebbe, remember, Rebbe always learns he gets half. That's how Rebbe learned. Not just less than half, he gets half. So that's where Rebbe gets five from. Let's see Rava's answer. Rava gives a different answer. Rava, I'm a cooler Rebbe he. It's actually all Rebbe. I, the whole mission is Rebbe. The first point that says he gets half of the lechem upon him is Rebbe. The part that says he gets four or five of, sorry, half of the shtar lechem, he gets one loaf of the shtar lechem is Rebbe. The one that says he gets four or five loaves is Rebbe. And the one that says he, um, sorry, I lost train of thought, uh, I lost the thing. Um, Yeah, one of two is Rebbe, and four or five of the Lechem upon him is Rebbe, and that he always gets five, and half the Lechem upon him is also Rebbe. So all those three clauses of Rebbe, and how does he explain it? For Sovalok Rebbe Yehuda. He holds like Rebbe Yehuda. Ah, as we've explained, according to Rebbe Yehuda, again, two of the loaves automatic. The first clause is easy how it's Rebbe. The first the first clause is easy how it's Rebbe. One of two, that's 50%. We know Rebbe's general rule is 50%. Five out of te- five loaves we also see is easily Rebbe because according to um, Rebbe Yehuda, remember two of the loaves go to the incoming Kohanim and there's only ten loaves up for division. So the Kohen half of ten is five, so that's five. It's just this four is very difficult. According to Rebbe, when would there be four? So he says, This is where there are a Mishmar that is stuck there, and this is where there is no Mishmar that is stuck there. What does it mean, Mishmar is withheld there? So generally, as we explained, there's only one, on a regular Shabbos, there's only one group of Kohanim coming in, and one group of Kohanim leaving. Um... If Yom Tov ends on a Friday or starts on a Sunday, all 24 Mishmaros are stuck there for Shabbos. I should have mentioned, on Yom Tov, again, on a regular week, only one group of Kohanim serve, one of the 24 Mishmaros. But on Yom Tov, all the Mishmaros can come serve. But if, Shab- if Yom Tov starts on Sunday or ends on Friday, they can't leave Yerushalayim, they can't go back home, so they're stuck there for Shabbos. So because of that, all 24, they, get, they split the Lechem upon him. Now, if that's the, that would be for thing. What happens if Yom Tov ends on Thursday or starts on Monday? So they have a small gap, a little bit stressful. They've worked in the base Amigdash for the whole week. And then Yom Tov ends on Thursday. So on Friday, they can get home and be home for Shabbos. Or let's say Yom Tov's only starting on, um, um, starting on Monday again. They could go home. For the, the, the leaving group could go home, could be back. They could come on Monday, but it's sometimes more convenient to come on Shabbos and then be there for Sunday 
and wait till Yom Tov to start. So if that's the case, the other Mishmoros, they don't have to be there, but if they want to be there, they get to split. The Anyone else who decided to come to the Beis Hamidash a little bit early gets a share, gets two loaves. So now, and now we're going to explain it. So again, when Yom Tov is on a Thursday or a Monday, the Kohanim don't have to be there for the Shabbos in between. However, if they decide to be there, they get two loaves. To whoever decides to be there, gets two loaves to split. So, if there is a group of Kohanim stuck there, they only get to split eight loaves. And therefore, the Kohen Godel can take four. How is that again? Remember, the two loaves automatically go to the new group of Kohanim for the Schar for closing the gates. Another two loaves go to all these Kohanim who decided to stay there for Shabbos. They didn't have to be there, but they decided to stay there for Shabbos because Yom Tov was either on Thursday or on Monday. So, it's, so they decided to stay for Shabbos. They get another two loaves. So of the twelve, there are only eight loaves up for division. And therefore the coin Godel, if he wants, he can take 50%. Um, that would be the... Uh, that, that would be where he only gets four. So the Gemara asks... And if there's no other Mishmar that's remaining there, then there's actually 10 to divide and the coin Godel can take 5. Oh, but then why does Rebbe say he always gets 5? It sounds like there's never 4. It sounds like always 5. This is Kasha, that's difficult. I again, remember when it says Kasha... It doesn't mean it's refuting it. It just means it's going to be very hard to find the answer. But there is an answer. Um, but again, we'll leave it there for today. So again, there's two. The main Mathlokes we had is the Kohen Godel can get first share of certain offerings. It seems that according to Rebbe, he gets 50% of the offering. And according to Rabbonin, he can get almost 50%. Okay, and we'll leave it there.